This episode is sponsored by Dash. Before we jump into today's episode, we wanted to talk to you about our ever-growing Facebook group that's on, funnily enough, Facebook. It's called Self-Care Clubbers. So if you are not a member, jump to Facebook, search for us and come and join the community. It's a lovely group. There's lots of chat. There's lots of talk about self-care. There's lots of people giving advice. There's lots of people taking the mickey out of us and talking about bits that they liked on the show. It's honestly, there's posts every day. It's really fun. And we would really love you to be a part of it. You can just search on Facebook for self-care clubbers or you can scroll down to our show notes and you'll see the link there. The advice for self-care today is endless and can be yet another overwhelming job for women. Every episode, we trial a different self-care practice, live it to the letter for a week and report back to you on the results. Will it actually improve your well-being or will it be another waste of your time? We test out self-care so you don't have to. Welcome to Self-Care Club. Sober curiosity is nothing new. Month-long challenges like Sober October and Dry January have encouraged people to look at their alcohol use. However, we still widely accept alcohol as a tool to manage stress, celebrate with or turn to when life throws you a curveball. It's an irony that most of us practice self-care, exercise, meditate, eat mindfully and yet after a long work day or on the weekend, we drink. I mean, you do, but you don't meditate. No. Or exercise. No. Or eat mindfully. Eat semi-mindfully. You don't eat mindfully. (laughs) But the next day we feel dreadful and as if we've undone the hard work that we put in all week to take care of ourselves. If you're starting to wonder whether giving up drinking might have a positive impact on your life, you're not alone. I've been thinking it too. And a growing number of sober curious people are starting to take a closer look at the role alcohol plays in their life. Being sober curious involves curiosity about the reasons fueling your desire to drink and the way alcohol affects your life. Unlike people who stay sober because of a dependency, sober curious people may not necessarily meet the criteria for an alcohol use disorder or intend to give up alcohol permanently. That is me in a nutshell. The term sober curious was coined by Ruby Warrington, author of Sober Curious, the blissful sleep, greater focus, limitless presence and deep connection awaiting all of us on the other side of alcohol. I mean, that's a lengthy title. That's a long website title. It really is. What is she? Imagine her email. (laughs) (laughs) She explains... Being sober curious means literally I to mean, choose... why didn't the publisher say that's too long a title? Shall I read it again? Sober no, curious. No. The blissful sleep, greater focus, limitless presence and deep connection awaiting us all on the other side of alcohol. That is the longest book title. That's a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> she says... Being sober curious means literally to choose to question or get curious about every impulse, invitation and expectation to drink versus mindlessly going along with the dominant drinking culture. The sober curious movement is unique as firstly, it in no way implies that you have to abstain from alcohol altogether. Being sober curious also does not mean being curious about being sober. I mean, sobriety is not the ultimate goal here. It's the act of questioning your impulses to drink that define the ultimate realisation of the movement. I do like that distinction. Me too. And I think that's quite important. So it's about getting 
curious about when you go to drink and why, why you're drinking. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So in regards to alcohol, the most common mindset is one of all or nothing. Yep, that's me. I mean, literally, did you climb inside my brain when you wrote this show? <laughs> Either you are sober and never touch a drop or you're not sober and are expected to drink at all functions where alcohol is offered. But the balance is changing as younger generations are swapping this approach in exchange for mindful drinking. Research suggests millennials and Gen Zs are far less likely to drink during the working week, but can still enjoy a drink at the weekend. This new outlook can be attributed in part to the huge growth of the health and wellness movement. God, I hope so. The rise of alcohol-free drinks like Dash has risen to meet these demands. So... How does this look in practice, Lauren? Well, being sober curious gives you an opportunity to see how alcohol fits into your life. Some people choose to avoid it for a few weeks, a few months or longer, and other people just don't set a time limit or they just commit to saying, I'm going to go without for now. As you consider what you do and don't enjoy about alcohol, you might make the choice to have an occasional drink. Sober curiosity often begins with some concern about the impact of alcohol on your life and some questioning about your own patterns around alcohol use. So if you're being sober curious, you might ask yourself, why do I feel the need to drink in order to hang out with my friends? What do I think that alcohol is going to do for me in this situation? And how does alcohol help me with my friendships and my connection to these people? Is it necessary in order to enjoy myself? Because you don't really think about those things, do you? No. You don't really sit and actually think that through no. before an evening out. Never. What about if you break up with a partner or you lose your job? Well, instead of hitting the bottle, the sober curious approach would be, how do I feel that drinking alcohol will help me deal or cope with this situation? It's such an amazing question. It's really they all are. What's my expectation associated with alcohol consumption? And what is drinking tonight really going to make me feel compared to how I imagine I'm going to feel? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This sort of mindfulness can help remove us from automatically reaching for that drink and give us a bit of introspection, especially in challenging moments. The awareness you gain when you are being sober curious taps into the basis of the mindful of mindfulness itself. The ability to be fully present, aware of where we are and what we are doing and not overly reactive or overwhelmed about what's going on around us. The benefits of mindfulness apply to every aspect of our daily lives, including our relationship to drinking. Yeah. Lovely. If you need any more encouragement, there are also health benefits to not drinking. According to a 2018 study, one month of abstaining from alcohol might help lower blood pressure and your risk for alcohol-related diseases. People participating in month-long sobriety challenges also reported increased energy, better sleep and weight loss. And if alcohol affects your ability to manage your emotions, sobriety can improve your mood and help you communicate more productively. And you might also see an improvement in your performance at school or at work since alcohol can also interfere with your memory and your focus. So sober curiosity is really all about exploring what works best for you and trying to focus on what you're going to gain rather than what you're going to lose. So instead of thinking, I won't be able to drink with my friends, remind yourself that cutting out alcohol can energise you, leaving you open to socialising in better and more rewarding ways. The key lies in exploring your relationship with alcohol. 
To get some insight on being sober curious and moderation around alcohol, we reached out to Rory Fairbans. Rory is the CEO and founder of One Year No Beer, helping the world to change its relationship with alcohol. And he is, we are delighted to say, returning to the show today. And this is what he had to say. Welcome back to the show, Rory. We're so happy to have you back on with us chatting all about being sober curious. Sorry, it's been so long. And again, public apology for my administrative nightmare. You're here, though, and that's all that matters. Lauren's opening words to you were, thank God we're not married. That was very funny. Yeah. (laughs) I am so happy to have you back because you were such an integral part of our dry January show and month. So welcome. A big welcome. Thank you. So this is the only thing we didn't cover in our research that I wanted to put to you because I think you'd be the best person to answer it. Are there any downsides of being sober curious? And the reason I'm asking that is because not everyone seems to be such a fan of the movement. And some people have said it's just a trend. And that also for some people who have got an alcohol dependency, they can't just pick a week to be sober. So from your point of view... Can you see any downsides to this? I mean, this is great. This is play the contrarian so that you understand all, all um, understand your 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 customer or your or the society in 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 its full. So let's play that game for a minute because, yes, of course. I mean, um, so if I play that for a minute and say, well, what could be some of the downsides, right, of of um, not drinking, um. Alcohol absolutely is a poison, absolutely is poisonous to the body and mind. And, and you know, there are not many good things that come from that. But um, I think many, many, many people going on the sober curious journey um, decide to change their um, socializing. Mm. And so they avoid their social circle. Um, and a lot of people, I think, do it wrong. I <laughs> It's not that they're doing it wrong. It's just so much more challenging if you do it in certain ways that that actually learning to change your relationship with alcohol can be so much easier. Let's compare that, for example, if like I want to get a six pack and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to go try and get a six pack. And you're trying all these different things and you never get there. But what you do is you pay for a program or a personal trainer and they say, well, you need to sort your diet. Have you thought about this? These are the exact exercises that you need to do of, of this exact repertoire. And surely enough, you get there. So I think it's like that, but I think that people feel less inclined to find support in this thing. They go, I'm going to go alone. So what does that mean? Well, if you do avoid your social circle, if you do hide away, then it's very likely that you're going to go back to drinking because what you're doing psychologically is that you're disassociating from the tribe, which is intrinsic to human nature. We need to feel belonging and a sense of belonging. And the tribe will drink alcohol and your social circle drink alcohol. And by not building another social circle or finding connection out with that, then you're going to feel disconnected. Disconnection drives compulsive behavior. Dead simple. So so, so by avoiding social circle, by not um, getting out there, by not teaching yourself how fun it is. So there's an example. Um, I'm sure chemically, or I'm sure from a sort of um, psychological perspective, there will be some things released um, in the brain 
uh, that are good for us when you drink alcohol, but it will be tiny, tiny infinitesimal fractions that aren't made up by the amount of damage that's done by it. Um, that's from a sort of physical perspective. Um, what other downsides? I think, you know, potentially a loss, you know, losses of friendships or changes mm. in friendships. Mm. Um, um, I, there is, without a shadow of a doubt, I would have lost business to some customers if I wasn't drinking. Um, and um, I know that there will be people out there in the world who um, know, and it's not, they're not going to justify it to people because they work in, I don't know, sport. They, they work in an environment where they do business with people who are absolutely rock solid in the fact that you need to drink and you need to power drink or you need to get absolutely pie faced in order to do business with them. Yeah. That exists. And it's part you can't of the argue culture, with that. isn't it? It's yeah. part of a work. I mean, China, China is huge. You yeah. know, China is huge. Um, you could look at the rural, you could look at rural um, places and you could say, well, somebody not drinking, uh, you know, West coast of Scotland, which actually has one of the highest increases globally in whoops in um, alcohol-related deaths in the last five years. Um, if you could look at certain areas that are like that, you'd be like, it would be very difficult. If you don't build an online presence, everyone drinks. There isn't really places to go or things to do that don't involve drinking Yeah. Um, in certain rural places. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but let's label that on the other side of... In reality, no. I mean, if you're asking me the question, are there any downsides? No. You asked me to try and find some. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and, She's and good I think like that's that. There. I am. I yeah. Um, and I think, again, the journey to truthfully changing your relationship with alcohol, which I believe firmly should be the purpose of everyone who's trying to stop drinking or be sober curious. Okay. Because in a way, um, some people just like to have a drink. And that's fine. You know, if you can have a drink and stop at one or, you know, you can take it or leave it and that's where you are. I think that's a, a, an amazing place. I think many, many people in the world want to get there. Mm. I think if you're somebody who binge drinks, if you're somebody who is finding that you've had oh, next, this, this day and that day and another day and that you need alcohol to take the edge off, if there's any of that kind of association going on for you, then my uh, word to you are that this is a gift. The gift is that compulsive behavior is showing up in your life. This is alcohol we're talking about. We could be talking about food or mindlessly scrolling Netflix, uh, um, social media or that. Uh, compulsive behavior is showing up in your life. And that compulsive behavior is really a redirection that there's stuff that you need to sort out in your life, unfortunately. And that's the work, the work, trauma, uh, things you've got on, lack of meaning and purpose, not enough connection. I've gone down a rabbit hole now. You're never going to be able to speak again. I would like your definition of what Sober Curious is, because obviously it's quite a new movement or it's hit us fairly recently. And I think there's probably a lot of different definitions around, but I'd really like to hear from you. And also there's two parts to this question. What do you think about this Sober Curious movement? Well, a few things. Great Amazing, well done for anyone who's thinking about being sober. Um, and I love seeing the rise of that. And I think that is a tiny, tiny fraction of the market um, of people who are thinking about changing their relationship with alcohol, which is what I do. Um, so what we saw through all of our research is that for the last eight years, we've been selling a product which helps people take a break from drinking or stop drinking. 
And what all our research showed is that that's not what people want. Um, what people realize is alcohol is causing significant enough issue that they feel like they have to stop drinking. Um, but actually, what they really want to do is control their drinking. For me, I believe that prevention should always swim upstream. Okay, so we've got constantly got to be trying to get people earlier, not not when they've fallen off the edge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so if this is rehab and recovery and addiction down here, then we are constantly trying to get to the first moment they ever try a drink and go, you know, what? I don't really want that. Oh, can we get them there? You know, as an example, um, to steer it. So that prevention should always swim upstream. And and for me, what we what we saw was that people would be thinking about. Con- controlling or reducing. I wish I could just stop at one. Why did I have so many? How come I drink so fast? Right. These things are going on the next day in the anxiety for years, years and years for some people before they're like, you know what, I'm going to stop drinking. Now, this is separate to the people who are thinking, um, do you know what? I quite like this idea of sober curious over here. That's kind of different because you could be a light drinker who's got no problem at all. And you just think, why am I bothering with this crap? You know, it's, it doesn't bring me anything, which is kind of what you've said um, about about, yes. about your choice and what yeah. you're going to do. So so if this is, that's one way to look at it. But really, I'm talking about the people who feel, hang on, this is causing me more trouble than mm. I realize. Then I think for them, it's about getting mm. control. Mm. Now, the other thing is this whole idea of come and be sober, that is stopping them from getting the support they need. I don't want to be sober. I don't want to not drink. That's not what I want. And so they they don't go and seek help. They're stuck in this place of trying to control their own drinking, feeling like there's no support. And that is really what our focus in. It's really to help people with this part of control. Now, <laughs> sell people what they want, but give them what they need. Because I absolutely emphatically believe um, that the fastest way to get control is by taking a break, right? It's like being in a toxic relationship with something um, or a toxic relationship. You just don't see what it's really doing to you until you separate from it entirely. And also, I also know that when you take a break from alcohol, you're being given the tools, the, the, the exact tools that you need to counter this. You're given clarity, energy, focus, more productivity. You're given a better sense of self and understanding. You can heal, hear these emotions again, right? And these are the tools that you need to start making changes in your life, right? Which is why this alcohol has come up. So the abstinence bit absolutely is, is a key component, I think, of helping people change their relationship with alcohol. That being said... There is some really um, a growing body of evidence that's showing that cutting back, helping people with alcohol use disorder to cut back is proving to be successful over the long term. So you can cut back. It's not just about not drinking. Lastly, and this is the thing we discovered, we saw so many people, thousands, tens of thousands of people come and do a one year no beer challenge, 28 days, 90 days, a year, okay, and get all of these benefits change my life. I feel amazing. Blah, blah, blah. I feel so good. And then yet come the pandemic or something else. And they not only go back to problem drinking, but they go back to worse problem drinking. Right. So yes, I believe that abstinence is the best way or is, is a key part in trying to get control, but control is not a product of abstinence. And this is key. And this is what we see again and again is so many people do dry January or just stop doing a compulsive behavior. Guys, you are not going to change the factors in your life that are causing a compulsive behavior just by not drinking. Yeah. And this is the thing is it's a gift. But 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 really what I'm asking or saying to everyone is 
use this gift to work on your shit. And that's the key thing. You've got to work on your stuff. You've got to find out, you know, if I look at the core areas that we see and understand to be driving this behavior, environment, really important, who you spend your time with, how they interact with you, stuff like that. Relationships, key, especially your key relationships, you know, partner, things like that. If they're heavy drinking or if they're, right, that's really key. It's got to be aligned. Um, meaning and purpose. If you are not aligned to your sense of meaning and purpose, then numbing will be a part of your life, right? You have to have a sense of meaning. Um, trauma. All compulsive behavior is a response to a trauma. Now, most people or a lot of people go, well, I, I don't have any trauma. You do. <laughs> trauma is in the eye of the beholder. It's usually stuff that happened to you between zero and seven when you didn't have a conscience. You just wrote 100% of information. You made some decisions about yourself from moments that you perceived and you didn't understand. And so when we coach our, our high-level um, customers through this, our high-level, we, we have a, a top-level program for really for business owners, senior leaders, things like that, and we take them through our trauma modality. I've never not found trauma. And they don't, they, they're not conscious of it. They don't know what it is. But when you help them um, change that, it's, it, it's life-changing. So anyway, long waffle, there are these core areas and you must do the work if you want compulsive behavior. And you don't just want to pick up something else, Netflix, sugar, caffeine, et cetera. So perhaps this sober curious movement is a really positive, going in line with everything you're saying, it's really positive because it's not suggesting sobriety, full-on sobriety. It's just suggesting be mindful, be curious about it, ask yourself questions. Why are you drinking? Is it bringing in any good? So is it a thumbs up from you? that you, is the, 100%. This movement happening? Anything. Yeah. Anything that the, the the anything that helps start get awareness of this relationship with alcohol, society's relationship with alcohol is a hundred percent a good thing. Um and so that is what I think. I think, you know, trying to understand um what our drinking is about, you know, that the, the really it's a product of brainwashing of marketing over decades and decades and decades. So I think anything that helps us get better awareness and be um, honest about ourselves about alcohol um so my number one recommendation it's always for somebody to sign up to something like one year no beer um to support you on your on your sober curious journey you'll just get there faster it's, mm. it's that simple um and you have a podcast to you rory is that right yes what's it called come on plug it plug it to us one year no beer one year no beer oh, podcast nice. i just recorded um DJ Fat Tony. Um, so yeah, and we've got some other um, really, really uh, exciting guests. So yeah, come and check out the the pod if you're thinking about um, taking a break from alcohol, just changing a relationship with alcohol. Um, I tend to give lots of nuggets and neuroscience and support and all of stuff. This is something, as you can see, I'm incredibly passionate about is um, helping people change their relationship with alcohol. How do people get in touch with you if they want more information? So if you want to check out oneyearnobeer.com or facebook.com forward slash O-Y-N-B, uh, we're O-Y-N-B on Facebook, we're O-Y-N-B on Instagram. Um, if you want to reach me personally, I'm Ruri at oneyearnobeer.com um, or hit me up on Facebook, you know, Messenger, uh, easy way to, to chat me. I am the only Ruri Fairbairns in the world. Thank Lord. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. Rory, thank you. And we cannot wait. To, you are always welcome on the show. You're an absolute yeah, gem. And we can't wait to have you back. Well, we need to get start booking now because this one took quite a while to no. <laughs> <laughs> We'll book you in for next January. 
<laughs> See you then. <laughs> I'd love to be back. Well done on you guys doing, um, you know, um, talking about this and inspiring other people to do this. And, um, you know, as as I firmly believe, I, I really believe this is the number one for people. Um, I think that, you know, if you if you crack this one, the other habits are so much easier to fall into place. This episode is sponsored by Horizon Studios. If you're traveling this year and looking for high quality, sustainable and beautifully designed luggage, then look no further than Horizon Studios, who've launched two new ranges. The RE series, the world's most sustainable 97% recycled luggage, and now the revolutionary Air series, the world's lightest high-end suitcase. If you have airport anxiety, worrying about the weight of your case when it goes on those scales, then the Air Series is for you and it is definitely for me. The Air Series pushes the boundaries of travel. Each detail is designed and engineered to combine an ultralight and durable product. It's significantly lighter than regular suitcases. Thank goodness, Lauren, that is brilliant. And it comes with a lifetime warranty because the most sustainable suitcase is the one that you only buy once. We used the cases to go to Paris and Wales last year, and as chronic overpackers, we could still wheel them around with ease. We could. Ultra light and compact, the Air Series is made from a premium polycarbonate hard shell with reduced thickness and a recycled lining. It's 100% vegan and produced in a way that is 99% waste-free, blending design and function seamlessly. So, Nicole, you can pack those extra five pairs of shoes with no stress. The entire range is available on the Horizon Studios website and in all leading department stores. Just go to www.horizon-studios.com. Horizon Studios, let's go further. And that was just a snippet from Rory's interview. The full interview will be released on Sunday, so don't miss it. So with all of this in mind, and with the help of Dash, who kindly gifted us a selection of their delicious drinks to try, how could we not test this out? How could we not? How could we not? So we've done Dry January. We did it one two year, years, two ago. years ago. Two years ago. But that's a very old show. So let's refresh. And can we talk a little bit about our relationship with alcohol? Yeah. Okay. Go. Well, well this is all going to seep into my week, I guess. But okay. My relationship with alcohol is I don't drink during the week. Mm -hmm. um, if never? We... Never. Wow, I didn't know that. Taking the piss? No. I and did not know that was like a rule for you. It's not a rule. It's just, just a thing. I just don't. Okay. If I had a party on a Thursday night, yes, yeah. I would drink. If, if you were going out for dinner on a Wednesday night, would you have a glass of wine? Probably not, no. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. Um, if I go out on a Saturday night, I'll probably have a glass of wine. Yeah. A Friday night, I might pour myself a gin and tonic. Yeah. But I don't drink a lot. Okay. If I go to a party, I will drink all night. Okay. So I How will, many drinks? Uh, I would probably have four or five drinks. You're a binge drinker then. Is that binge drinking? Well, I think it is because you abstain, abstain, abstain. But then when you go for it, you go for it. But I'm not abstaining in the, oh, no, I can't drink. I okay. just don't drink. Okay. I don't really, it doesn't, I don't really think about it. Okay. It's not ever been a conscious thing that I need to cut it out. But this is how I do everything. I'm very all or nothing. Mm. I'm either watching what I'm eating or I'm not. Mm. 
You know, I'm either going to the gym five days a week or I'm not. Mm. You're an extremist. I, I'm, I am quite, okay. I'm all or nothing. Okay. So also I have very, very, very bad hangovers. Yeah. And they're getting worse as oh, I'm cool. getting the older. The older you get, the worse the hangovers get. There's no doubt. So every time I have been drunk or every time I've been hungover, I should say, mm. I have questioned why I'm drinking and I'm starting to get into this mindset of being sober curious. Like, okay. what is this bringing to my life? Because it actually wipes me out for two days. Yeah. And I can't bear that. I can't bear not being able to get up in the morning and go to the gym. Yeah. Because I feel so shit. And when I say I feel shit for two solid days, yeah. it, it honestly, I'm not exaggerating. Okay. So that's my relationship with alcohol. Okay. And yours. Um, I would like to think... I have a healthy relationship with alcohol, as in I can take it or I can leave it. I don't feel deprived or there's a big problem if I can't drink, but I'm also happy to have a drink and I drink in moderation. So I don't drink every day, but I don't have any set rules about it's the week, it's the weekend. I don't binge drink. If I've made a nice dinner, I will have a glass of red wine. Sometimes I might have a gin and tonic when I'm making dinner. If I go out, I will have a few drinks, but I certainly don't drink to the point where I am ill or I'm very drunk or I'm out of control. So I feel like with everything... Oh, I don't either, by the way. No, I know you don't. But I think like with everything I do, I'm quite... Yeah. Moderated. <laughs> Moderated yeah. around yeah. it. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? We both... Listen, how you do something is how you do everything. So, I guess so. the way in which I drink is the way in which I do everything. And that's the same with you. Yeah. Okay. Balanced. Thoughts. In a balanced, nice way. Thoughts about dash water, which is what we've been gifted this week. Um, I am delighted that they've gifted, gifted it to us. I mean, I've got a couple of voice notes. Am oh. I waiting for my week or am I doing that, that now? I've got one voice note for you about dash. Do you want to do yours first? Yeah, sure. Go on then. Right, I'm about to sit down for dinner. I'm going to pour myself a lovely glass of cold no, not white wine, dash water, lemon flavoured, in case you were wondering, over some ice. Also, side note, and a little added bonus, it doesn't have sweetener and it doesn't have sugar, which was one of my intentions for 2023 to cut down on sugar and to cut out sweetener. Okay, I haven't cut it out, it's still in my coffee, but this is a result. So happy. Nice. There you go. Okay, I've got one for you as well. I mean, we do know if we're going back over 300 shows, there is a long, long history of my relationship with dehydration. Yeah, you're <laughs> not a drinker. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a drinker. But let's not bore the listeners with my attitude towards hydration. Oh, no, let's. It's so funny. <sighs> so if there's if there's something that's going to make you drink, I'm all for it. Come on, let's, let's hear your okay. voice note. Enormous excitement in the Mishcon household this afternoon. I just told Josh that we were expecting a delivery of dash water to be sent by courier to test for the podcast. The kid jumped off the bar stools, ran into my arms, smothered me with kisses. Mummy, mummy, I'm so excited. I can't believe we're getting dash. It's so cool. My friend Lockie has it in his fridge at home. I have never known a child or anyone, to be honest, so infused over sparkling soda water. This is great. Hopefully it'll keep him off anything else that is not so good for him. He was not this excited on Christmas morning. It is oh my goodness. really funny. How it's sweet. really cute. How sweet. I know. Now he feels 
so cool because if his friends come over, there's Dash in the fridge, all the flavours, and even his coolest friends only got three flavours, but we've got all six. <laughs> You've got more than all six. I mean, my goodness, they were so generous they with really us. Were. They, they really were. They really were. were. Um, can I just say, also, I've got a real bugbear around food waste. It is something that I do not like in life. So I really like that Dash helps to fight food waste by accepting and using wonky fruit that is rejected by others. Um, I agree. Yeah. I do love that. Okay. That's a great part of the brand. And my last question for you. Yes. What is your favourite Dash flavour out of the sparkling waters? Well, it's a tough choice. Yeah. It was between cucumber and peach. Mm-hmm. And I think... If you ha- if my hands were tied behind my back, yes. gun to my head, yes. it would be peach. Okay. And yours? Lemon. Okay. My fave. Any others that you quite liked? Quite like the black currant. Yeah. But lemon, standout fave. Yeah, it's very nice, the lemon. Yeah. I have to say. But I like the sweetness of the peach. Oh, okay. Fine. Uh, how are you feeling about being sober curious? Totally fine, because I was sober curious anyway. So for me, this was like the easiest week ever. You do your week first and then I'll tell you about mine. Okay. Um, Well, let's kick off with another voice note. It's Friday night. My parents, my sister are coming around for dinner. Whenever I make dinner on a Friday night, I always pour myself a gin and tonic at about half past six. Not going to do that tonight, am I? Because that's not what we're doing this week. But I am going to pour myself a peach-flavoured dash water peach i think is coming in as a firm favorite over some ice it's honestly sparkling refreshing delicious and also you get to feel i feel really smug when i'm drinking it because i know it's good for me it was a really great alternative yeah and you didn't feel like you were being left out or losing out or Look, no one was drinking at the table anyway, but I normally make pour myself that drink when I'm cooking. So on Friday night, if everyone's coming for dinner, no one has a drink? Or they no. just weren't drinking because it was January? No, no one really drinks. I find this fascinating. Do you? Yeah. You're just not a, like a drinking family. We're not a family. drinking family. Okay, we're very much a drinking family. And also Adam's. Adam's family are much more drinkers than we are, but he just doesn't drink. Like He drinks exactly the same way that I drink. Interesting. Well, we've been together a long time. Okay. Anyway, that that was that. Yeah. Listen, there's been no parties or big social arrangements mm. because we're at the beginning of January. Yeah. So it was a very easy week to try out being sober curious. Mm. It's not like I had some big thing that I had to go to and I was going to then have to go through all of these questions asking myself whether... I wanted a drink and what was I doing it for and what was it going to achieve and would it make me feel better and all of those things. Mm. So I'm definitely going to hold it in the back of my mind. Yeah. There's not, I haven't really got much to say mm. apart from the fact that I haven't drunk. And do I feel better for it? Well, yes, because I haven't had those awful hangovers. Do you miss it? Not for a second. If you were going out this weekend, would you have a drink? I would definitely question why am i drinking so you would be sober curious totally okay but then in true nicole style i've been thinking about stopping drinking of course (laughs) obviously because god forbid i could just carry on as i drink and drink when i want and not drink when i don't want okay i just it doesn't bring anything good for me okay i really don't respond well to alcohol 
So I'm definitely going to take this with me. And I want to see how long I'm not going to drink for. So let me ask you this question. When you do go out and have a drink, why are you having that drink? Often it will be because I might have had a stressful day with the kids mm -hmm. or something where I feel like I need to take the edge off. Okay. If I go out with another couple on a Saturday night and I'm ordering something, it just feels nice. It feels like it's a nice part of the meal to okay. order a bottle of wine. But let's say you were out with three other people and you all ordered a dash sparkling water and had some ice and lime and fresh mint sprigs in it. Would you feel like it took away from your evening? Or the evening was not different. Not at all. Or, no, no, not at all. And that's that's the interesting thing. I'm starting to question, and this is all part of being sober curious. I'm starting to question, actually, what does alcohol add to my evening? Yeah. And I'm coming up with not very much. Okay. It makes me feel relaxed for about twenty minutes, mm -hmm. and then in truth, I get a bit of a headache, and then I'm downing water. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Okay. Right, your week, please. Um, the last drink I had was Monday the 2nd. I had one glass of, a small glass of red wine. We were at someone's house for dinner okay. and, and I give, drove home. To give that context, it's now the 10th of January. Yeah, so that's the last drink I had. Okay. The rest of the week, I stuck to the dash. So hold on, sorry. So in that eight days, is that unusual for you not to have a drink in eight days? Unheard of. Uh, oh, unheard of? Yeah. Okay, you would never go eight days without a drink? Never, unless I was pregnant <laughs> or unable to drink for okay. some reason. Okay. Stuck on a desert island. Or like on an antibiotic or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Unless yeah. there was a medical reason why I could not have a drink, absolutely no, I would never go eight days without. Okay, okay. blimey. Yeah, okay. That's, a big, that's a big shift for me. So... Um, Instead of having like a G&T when I'm cooking or instead of having a glass of wine while I'm cooking or with dinner, I stuck to the dash instead. And it was fine. I didn't feel like, oh, no, I'm not having my gin and tonic. Like, yeah, I, but you don't do that anyway. I You've said that before. I did, we did dry January. You were fine about yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't feel bereft. I mean, you were counting the days, but you were fine <laughs> about it. You know, the difference was because there's no ban, because it wasn't like... Dry January, you cannot drink. So be curious is, well, why do I want a drink? And if I actually feel like I do want a drink, I can have one. So there's a difference. It's a mental shift. And what is it bringing? What, what, mm. what good is the drink going to bring for me? Or why do I feel I need an alcoholic drink right yeah. now? Yeah. And for those evenings, I didn't feel I needed an alcoholic mm. drink. But anyway, this was a really interesting week for me to try out because it was my mum's 70th. I had not one, not two, but three days of celebration. It's basically been like an Indian wedding. Her See? birthday has <laughs> gone on and on and on. God bless her. She won't be 70 again. But wow, but she see, celebrated... I think that gives a different spin on it because yeah. you were doing the big the big socialising yes. without a drink. Yes. That's different. So this was a very interesting week mm. for this to happen. So I decided just not to put any pressure on myself. I just thought I'm just going to go with it, but I'm going to be mindful about why I'm choosing to drink or not drink and what is that going to take away or add to my time spent celebrating. That was kind of how I went into it. So the first celebration was uh, lunchtime on a Friday. Okay, so that's kind of an easier one. 
I was also driving. And you were having to do the school run after, I assume. So that, yeah. Would you have drunk anyway? I Well, there was Prosecco when I arrived. Yeah. My mum had, there were 10 ladies having lunch. My mum had ordered six bottles of Prosecco. Do you know how many were drunk at the table during that lunchtime? I reckon one. One. So half the women at the table were doing dry January, which kind of made me feel in the gang. <laughs> but this is But this is half the thing with drinking. It's a culture. Yeah. And so when you're surrounding yourself with people that most people drink, yeah. that when you're not drinking, it very much stands out on its own. So I obviously could have had half a glass, a glass of Prosecco, but I just chose not to. I actually just didn't fancy it. And it was totally fine. But I did not feel like a pariah. Think, do, you, do you think you didn't fancy it because you were being curious about it and you'd ask yourself those questions or you just didn't fancy it? Well, I don't really like daytime drinking because unless I've got nothing to do for the whole rest of the afternoon and evening, I, I just don't like the feeling of it. I don't mind in the evening because then I can go to bed, but I, I prefer not to drink in the day I anyway. I agree. So that was that. Um, Saturday night... This was a weird one. Um, there was a big family dinner out and I I went to the dinner. Oh, actually, I think I've made you a voice note. That'll be easier. I'll explain it all in there. <laughs> Last night was my mum's birthday dinner. It was a big one. And to be perfectly honest and frank, I had every intention of having at least a drink, if not two, at dinner. And when it came to it, I started with sparkling water and I just didn't feel like having a drink. And the evening went on and I was offered wine and I was offered beer and whatever I wanted. And I said, no, I'm actually all right for now. And I was. I just drank loads of water with my meal. I, I didn't miss the alcohol. I didn't feel like I was missing out. I genuinely didn't want it. Otherwise, I would have just had it. Now, the caveat is, it's Sunday morning. I've woken up. And I know you'll all be thinking, oh, she's going to say she feels so fresh and like ready for the day and how happy she is. She's not hungover. But I never really drink enough to get hungover. And I feel crap this morning well as crap as I do on any morning when I've just woken up I just <laughs> I'm just not feeling any benefit from this at all don't use the word detox I'm waiting for it to come out your mouth but I don't drink enough I wasn't going to use the word detox okay, good. don't silence me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like anyone would be able to silence you <laughs> What I was going to say yeah. was it's obviously unusual for you to sit at that dinner and not drink. Yeah, it was. So what, because you gave yourself the green light. If yep. you wanted a drink, you yep. were going to drink. Totally. So what stopped you from taking that drink? <sighs> that is a really hard question. Okay, first answer, very honest. We were having Chinese food. I don't like drinking wine with Chinese food. I Chinese food is very heavy. Yeah. Um, I would have had a, a beer, I guess. I just, I started with the water and then we started eating and everyone was chatting but and you, I just didn't, but, but I just didn't. Because we have this lens yeah. of being curious about yeah. why we're drinking yeah. it, and it must have been in the back of your mind. I sort of realised half an hour into the dinner that there was nothing that that beer or the glass of wine that I didn't fancy was going to bring to the evening. So it is, so it's, it's the sober curious is kind of working its little magic. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it was. And what I did notice, and this was what was quite interesting, was how much other people at the table were drinking. 
the glasses of wine kept getting refilled and refilled and refilled. And then I started to notice towards the end of the meal, they were talking louder and louder. And, la- and I started to see how it was changing other people at the table. But normally you're joining in. Yeah. So it doesn't, you don't notice it. But so I much. observed that a mm, lot more. Interesting. And then Sunday, because Friday and Saturday weren't enough, was a champagne tea. <laughs> Well, how do you do a champagne tea at without my mother's champagne? house? My mother, at this point... For you, it was just a tea. My, my mother told me that from Thursday until Sunday morning, she had drunk nothing but champagne and Prosecco oh, for three days. Good for Jackie. Good for Jackie. Probably not good for Jackie's liver. But anyway, we all went to the tea. She could not have the champagne because she had drunk so much the night before at the dinner. So <laughs> in the end, there was like, when I say a quarter of a bottle left from previous celebrations the night before, the pre-drink before the dinner that I wasn't actually at, um, they must have had like a thimbleful of the champagne in the glass. And of course I was offered and it was three o'clock in the afternoon and I genuinely didn't fancy it. Again, I could not see what alcohol was going to bring to me. Would at you have time. taken it otherwise and just not thought about it? Probably, yeah. Probably, yes. Because I probably would have, and I'm not a big drinker. Yeah, right. So I probably would have taken it, had a glass, had a toast, and then I probably would have moved on to water. Right. I still would have had that drink. But I sat at three o'clock in the afternoon, and I had made a cake for her, and I thought, what I really fancy, what I really want now, is a cup of tea. Mm. (laughs) That was what I had. You are so old. I am so ancient. So that that that's it. Okay, that's it. Well, let's go to summary. Okay. What are your thoughts? What worked? What didn't work? I wrote down my thoughts this week because I felt like I had some thoughts Ooh, that I might she forget. Had I'm going to share them. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, these are my thoughts that I've written down. I do not feel any better. I do not feel any worse in my body, in myself, in my mind. I, I'm not finding a tangible, physical, or mental health benefit to the days I haven't drunk. I cannot tell you I feel better. I don't. Okay. I don't feel worse, but I definitely don't feel better. So it's brought nothing beneficial? <sighs> Not that I can tell you about. No, I feel the same. Um, but what it taught me this week is that I definitely do use alcohol automatically in social settings when it's offered. I would say I am an autopilot drinker. That is what I noticed this week. I think I agree with that with me. And also my enjoyment of an event is not affected either way. So that was interesting. Did I have a better or worse evening on Saturday because I didn't drink? No, I had the same enjoyment that I would have had if I'd have drunk. So that was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. But also for someone like myself Mm. who gets the bad hangovers, even if I drink one glass of wine, Mm. that's major. Yeah. So for me, there's just the downsides of drinking, whereas you don't have that. And I've always considered myself a very bubbly, confident, sociable person. So I don't need the alcohol to bring that out in me because that's just part of who I am. So then there's that question of, well, why why am I doing it then? What am I doing it for if I'm then feeling so awful the next day? Well, that doesn't is, make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. This is my final thoughts were that I spent... A full decade from the ages of 24 to 34, either trying to get pregnant, being pregnant or breastfeeding. And I drank 
little or nothing for that entire decade when most people of those ages were going for it big time, full on, right? So I'm now in my 40s and I don't really feel like being some sort of teetotal pariah. I definitely have a non-addictive, very moderate attitude to alcohol um, and I'm very capable of moderating what I drink and when I drink. And so I feel like... I'm You're all good. I'm good. That's how I feel. I feel I'm good. If I want to have a drink, I'm going to have a drink. I'm certainly not going to feel guilty or bad or anything about it. And if I don't want to, I feel perfectly confident in saying, no, thank you, I'm not drinking tonight. Okay. I think that this practice is absolutely fantastic. Just by getting curious, just by bringing some awareness to why you are drinking or why I am drinking and why I am not. Yeah. Just to have that little reminder in the back of my mind when I go to drink is pretty life-changing, actually. And when I go to a social arrangement, and maybe I will have done by the time we record the epilogue, I'm really going to dig in and decide what it is I want to do. And I'll guarantee I come back and say, oh, I didn't bother drinking. But it's a very personal thing, isn't it? I feel like you could never, I could, I could never sit in a room with someone only with you because we're doing this show and say to them, why do you feel like you need to have a, a G&T now before we go and have dinner and wine? It's it's very... You can't, you couldn't say that to someone. No. That's such, just, you'd I, be prying. That's what I mean. But I just that's mean, very triggering. It, it, people's that, relationship with alcohol is very personal. personal. such a good point. That is such a good, I mean, I could ask Adam. Yeah. Or I could ask my best friend. Yeah. But I think, or my sister, but anything, and and it would have to be with the caveat of, by the way, because we've done a show on Sober yeah. Curious mm. and it's a really nice little thing to dig into and unpick and figure out why you're drinking and when you're drinking. But to ask someone off the bat, mm. that that is very, uh, it's quite an invasive thing to very, do. Very, very, very. Is it? But that's interesting in itself. Why is isn't it? it? It's mm. such a huge part of our culture, especially mm. in Britain. Yes. Especially in Britain. We're a drinking culture. We're a drinking culture. So when you choose not to drink, when you say, oh, no, I don't drink, mm. that automatically screams alcoholic. Well, you're either an alcoholic or, or you've got ex some... drug addict. Or, yeah, or, or you take some medication so that there's something wrong with you there's that you some, can't. There's some sort of addiction. Something going on. There's some sort of issue yeah. as to why you don't drink because it is so the norm. Mm. When actually, if I chose not to drink, it would be to prioritise my health and my wellness. Yeah. Finished. I mean, when I was endlessly pregnant for that decade, I would always order a drink at the table wherever we were and then I'd slide it across to Ollie so nobody said to me, oh, why aren't you drinking? Are you pregnant? That's what I mean. Because I was so sick of being asked, especially as I was desperately trying to get pregnant for a really long time. It was so painful to be, have it constantly pointed out at you because it's so obvious when you're a woman of that age. So I would always just order it and push it. But exactly. Yeah. It is... Totally abnormal to not drink. Yeah. But totally normal to drink. Yeah. It is totally abnormal to live a very clean, healthy lifestyle. I get so many questions about my lifestyle because people find it odd. Do they? The way I choose to exercise, the way I choose to eat. Yeah. Because it's not the norm. Mm. But in my opinion, it should be. Yeah. Because I'm looking, I believe I am totally yourself. looking after myself as best I can. I don't always do my best, but I do always try my best. Mm. And to be, for that to be obscure in society, that's a problem. But I think also you and I are lucky in that we 
are both confident and old enough to be able to sit in, at any function, at any table with any group of people and say, I'm not drinking tonight and not feel the need to excuse it or feel embarrassed about it or have to justify it. But I think a lot of people might struggle with that. I think that's changing. I do think that's changing. Uh, we went to a party a few months ago and some friends of ours who we hadn't seen for ages and they live in Manchester and we hadn't seen them. I don't think we'd seen them since before COVID mm. and they came because we've got mutual friends. And I was, we were talking to them loads and we were catching up and it turns out that the wife mm. has stopped drinking mm -hmm. and she'd stopped drinking like four months ago. Mm -hmm. And we had this really long discussion about why she chose to stop drinking. But she obviously brought that up. You would never have said to her, oh, why have you stopped drinking? I actually didn't notice right. that she wasn't drinking. She mentioned it the next day. Mm. Um... And it came up in conversation. It's not like she said, by the way, did you notice I wasn't drinking? It wasn't like mm. that. And I said, oh, can I ask your reasons? And she said, and she gave me all her reasons. She, but really, it boiled down to the fact that she wanted to be the best version of herself. And alcohol wasn't bringing that out in her. She wasn't an alcoholic. She wasn't addicted to it. There wasn't, there weren't these, she wasn't like dependent on it in any way. But it just wasn't doing her any justice. And she had a great night. She was dancing all night and it was absolutely fine. And I was really fascinated. And also I had so much admiration for her because mm. I thought, good for you. Mm. Mm. Okay. We need to ask the big, big question. Is Sober Curious coming in the club? I wonder if a good billion percent. I've got one more question for you this week. Oh, another are we having dash served at the club? Oh my God, we're 100% having dash served at the club. And we're going to have like a dash fridge. And then we're going to have all of the different flavours. Yes, Lauren, there'll be an alphabetical order. Oh my order. God, I was just about to ask you that. See, I, I know, I know these things. There'll be an alphabetical <laughs> order and they all look so pretty and they're packaged beautifully. And of course, they and they taste great. Okay, but because the club is still actually imaginary you can in the meantime in many shops and supermarkets buy dash for yourself but this is very exciting dash have also very generously given us a discount code for the listeners uh -huh. go dash thank you so all you have to do is go to their website and enter the code new dash that's n-e-w-d-a-s H. But we're going to put all of this info in our show notes. We'll put the website up and the code up and we'll put it on our social media so you won't miss out. So if you are thinking about being sober curious or you're doing dry January or you just want to try a new drink, then um, you can get Dash at a discount. And can I just say a big thank you to Dash because they've been so generous. They really have been very, very generous. I have got enough Dash to last me for... To a... water the whole of North London. <laughs> <laughs> so a big thank you. We've loved working with you. And that is our show on Being Sober Curious. Yeah. We'll be back on Friday to hear from you guys about how you feel about Being Sober Curious. Back on Wednesday as well with a little snippet show, so don't miss that. And if don't forget to come into the Facebook group if you haven't already. You need to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Oh, they've got so much work to do. Or hit follow on Instagram, on Spotify, and come join us at all our channels. All of our links are in our show notes, so don't worry. Just scroll down and, and everything. You can click through on everything. Click through, click through. Yeah, click through on everything. We'll there. Thanks for listening. You. See you on Wednesday. Bye.
Motherkind podcast explores how to feel happier, more confident and empowered in your motherhood, even in our world of pressure, judgment and comparison. I'm your host, Zoe Blasky, and every week I speak to an incredible expert to share actionable steps and powerful lessons to living your life as a mother with more joy and unapologetic confidence. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, just search Motherkind. Motherkind.